the industry now has to prove everything is safe and document much more, I think, than we've ever had to document. Welcome to Sense Sliced Bread. I'm your host, Charlotte Ashley, editor of Baking and Snack. With the FASTER Act going into effect at the beginning of this year and the final rule of the Food Safety Modernization Act being finalized, food safety and sanitation is just one more challenge at the forefront of bakers' minds these days. In this season of Sense Slice Bread, we're bringing you conversations with food safety experts to bring you up to speed on the latest changes and best practices when it comes to food safety. This episode of Sin Slice Bread is brought to you by Miller Milling, a leader in the premium flour industry and 100% not gluten-free. In this episode, I'd like to introduce you to Lance Robery, founder of Food Safety and Quality Services. Lance has decades of experience in the food safety arena and provides training and consulting services to food manufacturers looking to improve their food safety culture and programs. We talk about how food safety has changed and why culture is so critical to a successful safety record. Welcome to Sense Slice Bread, Lance. Thank you, Charlotte. It's great to be here. So Lance, as a consultant on food safety issues, what are some of the top challenges and issues that come up for your clients? Well, since COVID, we're seeing a lot of challenges with personnel, having personnel shortages. Qualified individuals in the space are in high demand. And so keeping employees happy uh, has been a challenge and keeping employees engaged and keeping employees on site, right, um, has been uh, somewhat of a challenge for, for companies. We've had this great resignation, they're calling it, in the past year. And of course, when employees do decide to move on, employers have to bring in new employees to backfill. And so they got to bring them up to speed. Uh, they got to get some training in. And so that that's creating a need and a gap for a lot of companies. And of course, food safety culture. Uh, companies are, are hard at work right now uh, trying to understand food safety culture and how that's affecting overall food safety. Uh, and how to continuously expand those programs. More and more third-party audits are, they're expanding the requirements that they have for our food safety cultures. And so companies are working alongside those, those audits and, and you know, working on expanding their cultural program each and every year, uh, as well as regulators are starting to get into the space as well, understanding how culture affects uh, food safety and how to approach that from a regulatory perspective. I want to get more in depth on food safety culture in a little bit, but first off, when you're working with your clients, especially when it comes to working with, like you said, there's a lot of new employees or employees who aren't as much up to speed on food safety. What are the most common misconceptions you find among your clients about food safety when you're trying to work with them? Yeah, that's a good question. We still see a lot of the, that's QA's job, attitude. Folks still think that, hey, if we just show up each and every day, everything's going to be fine. The other misconception out there that we see is uh, from a company perspective, 
our onboarding program is is all everyone needs, right? To to make food safely. And so what I'm seeing in in our training classes, uh, when companies do send folks over to us uh, to get some formal training like HACCP or PCQI, is that there's still a pretty big gap when it comes to hazard categories, right? Biological, physical, chemical hazards, and employees understanding exactly what those hazards truly are and how what they do in their everyday duties and tasks affects food safety. And uh, it's really, I've seen a lot of impacts in the past. It's really had me change my approach when I do these training classes. I'm spending more and more time now on those topics and really making sure that our participants understand the little things that they do and how that impacts the overall food safety. And it's really been eye-opening for a lot of folks. It's been really interesting, you know, see those dots connect mentally for those participants. Can you maybe give us an example of what one of those little things employees might be doing that they don't realize is impacting the food safety of their facilities that they're working in? Yeah, it could be something as simple if, you know, we work in a a dry environment and when it comes to sanitation, oftentimes a natural reaction is to use water to clean, not understanding that water could really be detrimental to the safety of that environment because bacteria need water to grow and keeping that environment dry, it's really, really important. And so it's something as simple as that to get them to understand that you know, there's a reason why things like sanitation, standard operating procedures are there and written and documented, and we must follow those procedures. Lance, how have you seen food safety change over the years, whether that's the challenges the industry is facing, the best practices that are being put in place, or even the technology that's being adapted to improve food safety? Yeah, so food safety in the industry has changed quite a bit. I've been in the industry now for over 20 years, and I remember back in the early days, you know, we had a, a HACCP plan, we had some quality procedures, we had some standard sanitation operating procedures, and that's all we really needed. And uh, by following that, we felt that the, the food products were safe, right? We didn't really have many complaints. We didn't do a lot of finished product testing. Uh, we just relied on those programs. And I see that certainly has, has changed over the years. Third-party audits were not really a thing 20, 25 years ago. And um, now it's hard to do business without a third-party audit. And of course, you know, back in the 80s, I remember companies complaining about HACCP and HACCP expansion and how they had to have so much more written documentation. Uh, these days, I hear people say, oh, boy, if we could go back right, to those days, <laughs> it would be great, right? Because there's so much documentation that we have to keep track of now, uh, these internal Auditing programs, the um, the third party audits, they, they require so much, and so that's certainly been a change. Another big change that I've seen over the years is uh, the amount of testing that we do as an industry, from the ingredient side to the the finished product, uh, and even now environmental testing has continued to expand. And so, things like certificates of analysis, uh, it's hard to do business without certificates of analysis in the industry. Um, industry now has to prove everything is safe and document much more, I think, than we've ever had to document. Uh, and of course, testing uh, kits and, and laboratories, uh, those uh, testing parameters have gotten more and more sensitive. And so companies uh, have to continue to adapt and get better and better at what we do uh, because we're starting to see more and more things uh, as those tests become more and more sensitive. 
And of course, we have the digital movement, right? More and more companies are move, moving towards digital platforms. And so we have some software innovations, uh, which is helping to more easily capture the data that's out there. Things like the Internet of Things, constant connectivity on, on these digital platforms uh, is something that really remains a challenge in these food facilities. But we continue to make progress and we, we continue to see more and more of the, uh, the digital age, if you will, in, in the food industry. You mentioned all the record keeping that has to be done and the proving that things are indeed food safe. And that seems really tied to the Food Safety Modernization Act, which we saw come to pass just over 10 years ago. And now we have the sesame allergen announcement that's going into effect this month. So between all of those massive changes and all the shifts that you just described, how can baking companies ensure that their food safety programs are up to date, in compliance, as well as flexible to adapt to whatever's coming next in food safety? So that's a big one. Staying up to date in industry is so key right now. As a company, you really want to be on the forefront of these new initiatives, right? You want to be up to date. You want to be in the know. You don't want to be the company that when you get a, a customer visit, when you get a regulator visit and they're asking you about some of these new initiatives and you're just out the loop, that really looks bad. So what I oftentimes uh, tell clients out there is, is look for the key players and key entities in the industry and follow those entities, follow those key players, right? Look for those training classes that are coming out. Look for conferences, webinars involving those key entities or, or key players and make sure you have folks that are attending those events. Being adaptive, uh, of course, is one of the key food safety culture components. So this is something companies have to accept these days. Uh, employees must be open-minded to accept that things are going to change. Let's take a short break to hear from our sponsor, this episode of Since Sliced Bread is brought to you by Miller Milling. At Miller Milling, wheat is an ingredient, not a commodity. We define ourselves by our mission. It's simple, to provide our customers with safe, high-quality grain-based products. More than that, our goal is to back up what we produce with exceptional service, carried out by exceptional, engaged people. Miller Milling will work with you to find solutions, including flowers, that fit your business. Now, back to the conversation. So Lance, let's talk about, let's go back to talking about food safety culture, which you mentioned at the top of our conversation is so critical to the success of any food safety program these days. Let's talk about first, why is it so important to implementing a food safety program? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so this is something that's that's been in the works for several years. What we're learning is that just having written procedures alone isn't enough to sustain food safety. But over the past 10 years, uh, we really expect, especially with, with the implementation of FISMA, uh, to see a, a downturn, if you will, of recalls. And we really haven't seen a significant trend uh, headed downward. And so we're starting to look at what's causing that, right? And, and certainly culture comes into play here. And what we're learning is that you can have the best procedures in the world, but if you don't have the culture and if you don't have the employees that are bought in, then, you know, they're going to cut corners. They're going to maybe find, you know, in quotes, better ways of doing things, right? 
uh, and maybe have some communication gaps there. And so we want to promote positive behavior towards uh, food safety. Uh, food safety shouldn't be a hurdle to industry and, and a hurdle to companies. Uh, it should come naturally. Having a culture that educates employees and nurtures a culture of food safety togetherness, if you will, right, it has a stronger chance of preventing food safety issues and recalls. And so I mentioned earlier, employees still have some of those food safety educational gaps and they need to be able to close those gaps or have processes in place to give them what they need to make the right decisions, right? You want employees engaged. You want to have key employees educated and understanding what makes food safe and unsafe and driving home those, we have to do it right the first time messages and, and being the examples out there to where people understand the importance of the programs that are out there and the importance of following those programs. So if a baking company executive was listening to this episode and they either want to improve their food safety culture, make food safety a more central part of their work culture, or maybe they've realized in listening to our conversation that it really is a culture of, oh, that's just the QA person's job and they want to change that. What are some things they need to be thinking about as they start to cultivate culture of food safety in their business? That's a great question. Charlotte, one of the few things we see in our food safety culture classes are CEOs and presidents. We have the occasional VP. Uh, we have mainly quality assurance managers, right, that are trying to comply with third-party audits and trying to understand what's required of a, of a food safety culture program. Really, it has to start with senior management. And it has to start with understanding what food safety culture is, right? We all have to study. We all have to continuously improve. And so getting that information in front of senior management and really understanding how that impacts the overall business, it really does impact things. And, and industry still, you know, uh, trying to understand how to connect the dots with a food safety culture program and the, the continuous improvement efforts and the, the strategic development of your company. And so things like, hey, if we have a really good food safety culture, our employees and our managers should be making better decisions. And those decisions should impact what we do. We should have less product that's done incorrectly the first time. We should have you know, a decrease in product holds. We should have a decrease in uh, food safety issues. You know, all that can translate into a monetary benefit. And so I think the key is to include culture and have some metrics in place and have those metrics uh, part of the strategic plan for that company. And I think that integrates both the culture and where a lot of CEOs want to continue to expand is their, their metrics and their key performance indicators to continue to grow their business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that getting the um, senior management involved would be really critical to, like you said, it all comes from the top. And if you don't have that buy-in from the top, then how can you expect employees to come along and do the job well? Right. So they have to to send the message, but they also have to walk the talk, right? Um, that's very important. So just to get a little more practical about it, how do you find that 
food safety practices are best disseminated through the organization, especially when you are dealing with such a challenging labor situation with people with turnover being high or losing some of your key people who have all that institutional knowledge. Right. So senior management, like we just mentioned, is is very important. And so once you, you get past that hurdle, if, if it is a hurdle for, for your company, uh, once you start seeing that, that push and uh, senior management walking the talk, what we like to encourage companies to do is take a team approach. Find charismatic, confident, food safety minded individuals in your company and create a culture team. Make sure you have frontline employees as part of that team. Get them involved, right? Uh, these team members can help drive home food safety behaviors that's expected of employees. And more importantly, they can report back to senior management too. Uh, so everyone can understand what's making a positive impact in the company uh, versus what's causing those, those negative dips. And, uh, you know, meet with that team maybe on a monthly basis and keep the pulse of your culture uh, moving in a positive direction. I love that idea of monthly taking a monthly pulse of the team and the company to make sure things are still on track and in case you need to course correct anything or reinforce anything. I think that's a really great idea. I just wanted to ask you, you mentioned third-party audits and certifications. You are um, a more recent phenomenon in the long game of food safety, how can bakeries ensure that their operations are audit ready when those come up? That's a great question. You're seeing uh, those third party audits move to more unannounced audits, right? Again, this is forcing that movement, uh, if you don't already have it in place, of being audit ready 365. So I think a couple of topics that we spoke about earlier are key components. Uh, One, food safety culture. Two, training. And so having a strong culture of doing the right things every day certainly keeps paperwork in compliance. And let's face it, when you have these two, two and a half, three day audits, uh, these auditors are spending a lot of time looking at paperwork. So paperwork is very, very important. And then having properly trained, qualified individuals in place to ensure your food safety paperwork is in order, it's in compliance. And those folks you know, have to answer questions from auditors, right? They're going to be interviewed. And so having those folks qualified to do so is important. And we talk about training. Training goes beyond food safety classes such as HACCP and PCQI. Uh, Think about things like internal auditor training. Internal auditing can play a huge role with keeping programs audit ready. A good internal audit system can help programs stay in compliance and be audit ready 365. Uh, And of course, you know, we also go back to the software programs that are out there. Um, if you're using a software program, you know, they keep that information front and center, easily accessible, organized. And so this also helps with being audit ready if, if you get those unannounced audits to help to help you as a company, you know, pull everything to get together in a, um, a quick timeline. Well, Lance, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and have this conversation and share your insights with the commercial baking industry. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, Charlotte. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Scent Sliced Bread. If you'd like to join the conversation, leave us a voicemail at 816-968-7772. Or you can record a message using the Voice Memo app on your smartphone 
and email it to podcast at soslin.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Miller Milling, a leader in the premium flour industry and 100% not gluten-free. Don't forget to subscribe to Scent Slice Bread on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and drop us a review. Scent Slice Bread is a baking and snack podcast produced by Taryn Parker and hosted by Charlotte Atchley.